We have two dogs in our home. Aria is a two-year-old puppy who definitely needs help with her portions. And Nala is a 10-year-old dog who is living a great life and we want to keep feeding her well so she can hang in there with us for a lot longer. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. The farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. It's the best option for dogs at all life stages. It doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health, helping you live more healthy, happy, and full years together. You can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash vanished. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Just kidding. There's no scratchy sounding phone calls in today's episode. We heard you loud and clear. Due to poor cell phone reception in Swatch County, Colorado, a majority of the phone calls in last week's episode were hard to hear. But a lot of these calls were very important. So in today's episode, we're going to do something we've never really done before in a main episode of Up and Vanished. We're going to pump the brakes a little bit and do an official recap of everything we've learned so far. The people, the places, the important pieces of evidence, the timeline, and we're going to play for you the new and improved reenactments of the phone calls from episode 6, so you won't miss a word. We've officially reached that point in Up and Vanished where you as a listener are almost exactly where we are. In fact, things are developing so fast at this point that we almost had no choice but to slow down for a second. Crystal Risinger's case was cold just a month ago, and now the whole town is talking. Literally every day our team is down a new rabbit hole. In the community, Crystal's family, and even the persons of interest in this case, are all reacting to this podcast in real time, and we're capturing all of it. Because we are doing this in real time, there's some things we just can't tell you yet. It will all make much more sense very soon, and there will be an ending to this story. Today, I want to go back over some of the most important pieces to the puzzle in Crystal Risinger's disappearance. Over the next half of the season, people's names, the timeline, and who said what all become extremely crucial to solving this case. Let's start with the people who are closest to Crystal her family support system here in Denver. By now, we all know who Rodney is, the father figure in Crystal's life. It warms my heart that you're even considering this, you know, that you're doing this. I hope we can get the people and find Crystal before I die. And then there's Amy, Rodney's daughter, and essentially Crystal's sister. You don't meet many people like that who have this, like, intense, cool, crazy energy that everybody vibes with, and it's just... I don't know, she laughs a lot. Like, she laughs at everything, even if it's kind of a fucked up thing to laugh about, she'll laugh about it anyways. And there's Eli, Crystal's ex-boyfriend from when she lived in Denver, also the father of their daughter, Akasha. My first impression was like, where were you my whole life? She was very sweet, 
very intelligent, very deep thinker, covered in tattoos, piercings, different looking, kind of wild looking person. <laughs> My type of girl. <laughs> and then Angela, one of the mother figures in Crystal's life. Crystal, even with everything that she had been through in her life, she was still a happy, bubbly person. And her son, Mikey, AKA Rufio. We uh, met at a house party. I was 18, she was 18, and in a party she's like, you have an eyebrow ring, I have an eyebrow ring, that is neat, we're gonna be friends. And then after that we just became best friends. <laughs> and then Phoebe, Crystal's friend, a medium and tarot card guru. Anybody interested in looking into themselves? How much does it look into us? Anything that you need to see. And then there's Chris Halsney from Fox 31 News in Denver. He's become a prominent voice in our podcast and continues to investigate this case alongside us. You've seen photos of her and video of her. She's hard to miss. I mean, there's no way you wouldn't know Crystal if you were from Cresto. And of course, there's Akasha, Crystal's five-year-old daughter. Yeah, okay, enough, babe, no more, honey, girl. Put him in your pocket so I can save him for later. Bless you, baby. When we first started, it took a while to track down all the important people in Crystal's life. One, they were all over the place, geographically. And then when we finally found them, Everyone seemed a bit disconnected when it came to the information in the case. But over the past few months, everyone and everything is aligning. Those closest to Crystal are banding together, and they're showing fierce determination. If you're someone out there with a secret, and you're hearing this right now, I'd be scared. Not of the podcast, not of me, but this powerful force that's brewing, that will do whatever it takes to find Crystal. As we get closer to the truth, this story becomes much darker than I ever imagined. But Crystal's family is prepared for the worst, and will stop at nothing to bring justice to those responsible for her murder. Now let's go over the interesting people we've met in Crestone, many of whom knew Crystal. There's David, who helps run the drum circles. Did she leave there and go back to town? I see that, I have no idea if she left or, or if she's still up in the woods in one of the caves or something up above the drum circle. Then there's Aura, Crystal's landlord. We found her phone, her bag, her tobacco. The window was open, the fan was on in the window. Some of the lights were still on. It looked like she had just left and had every intention of coming back. I was doing more investigating into her disappearance than the cops did. Crystal's neighbor, Jeremy. And I don't know, I, got, I had weird feelings about it. Like, it was very strange how she just disappeared. I personally think that somebody had something to do with it and we just don't know. I mean, that's just my personal gut feeling. Then there's the Crestone boyfriend, who will go unnamed. There's definitely a lot of stuff that people are saying that it's uh, kind of misleading information, like the drum circle. Like, I was at the drum circle, I never saw her. The Swatch County Sheriff, Dan Warwick. We do have, I'm going to say, the trust fund kids and things like that that have come up here that are not responsible, that 
mommy and daddy didn't want them around them because they're such a pain in their ass, so they send them down here for everybody else to deal with. Then there's Deputy Wayne Clark, whom according to Sheriff Dan Warwick, has been the official agent in charge of Crystal's case for a few years now. I've never interviewed Wayne Clark directly, but he's made a few appearances you may remember. There's a list of possibilities. Anytime they find anybody or anything that's unidentified, they'll call everybody else just to check. That wasn't her at all, it was someone up in Boulder. Oh yeah, and don't forget Roy. It's called the tongue drum. Okay. It's a guy here makes it, uh, they're ends of uh, propane tanks, and he rolls them together, and there's little cut slits Now that we're caught up in all the different people in this story, let's go over the timeline. In the summer of 2016, Crystal was 29 years old. In late June, around June 19th, Crystal was in Denver. She was visiting Eli, who was recovering from being mugged and beaten. She texted Debbie, Rodney's wife, that she was back at Crestone on June 22nd. Crystal's Crestone boyfriend says Crystal was sexually assaulted at Catfish's house on June 28th. He stated that she told him this and was very shaken by it. Around this date, she told the same thing to landlord Ara McDonald when Ara went to collect Crystal's rent. Catfish posted a heart on Crystal's Facebook page on June 28th as well. Crystal's Crestone boyfriend says he last saw Crystal around July 12th. They got in an argument at her apartment and he left. Around July 12th, Crystal also bought groceries. July 14th was Crystal's last post on Facebook. It was the results of a Facebook quiz, one that you can share with your friends. Landlord Ara McDonald said that Crystal posted on Facebook regularly, at least every other day. July 18th was the eve of the full moon, when the drum circle took place. July 21st is Catfish's birthday. According to the police report, this was around the last time he saw Crystal. Catfish stated that sometime around his birthday, she came over to smoke weed, drink wine, and watch movies. He also stated he did not know her very well. July 30th, landlord Ara McDonald files a police report. Deputy Tyler Harford does the reports. Deputy Harford talks to Crystal's neighbor, Jeremy Sharp, searches Crystal's apartment and her phone, which is still in the apartment. Around this time, Eli posts on Facebook that he hasn't heard from Crystal since July 14th, which was highly unusual. August 2nd, Deputy Wayne Clark searches Crystal's apartment. And on August 16th, the police case report is entered with Crystal's description and information. Weeks after Crystal went missing, Eli and Rodney go to Crestone to talk to police and search for Crystal. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. 
Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Warmer, sunnier days are coming. And you can fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for the summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, and keep the kitchen time to a minimum. Factor meals are ready to go in two minutes. So no shopping, no prepping, no cooking or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash UAV50 and use the code UAV50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code UAV50 at factormeals.com slash UAV50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Catfish. We've heard that name a lot in this case from all kinds of people. John goes by the nickname Catfish. Mama said don't go down to the river and stay away from Catfish John. It's a bad nickname, man. Every time I repost anything about Crystal, Catfish tries to come and friend me. So he's watching. John stated that around his birthday, that Crystal had come over to his house. He stated that they drank wine, smoked marijuana, and watched movies. John said that he fell asleep as she was leaving. John said that he did not know Crystal that well and had no idea where she might go. He was just fucking with her head, like telling her that she was dead and that. She thought she might have gotten raped. She told me that he held her there. He wouldn't let her leave. He took apart her phone. She told me she was held there against her will. Once I started poking around and trying to figure out what happened to her, I figured out that she went back to Catfish's. Deputy Wayne Clark of the Swatch County Sheriff's Department questioned Catfish on August 10th, 2016, after allegedly hearing his name on social media in relation to Crystal's disappearance. Perhaps the most interesting thing about this person, besides his weird nickname, is when he said he last saw Crystal. He said it was, quote, around his birthday. But his birthday is July 21st, 
By almost all accounts, the last time that Crystal was seen or heard from was around July 13th. Then one day around July 13th, 2016, after attending a drum circle festival, she vanished. I'm thinking the 13th is definitely the day she's last seen by anybody. The 13th, um, do you know if that was the drum circle night or no? I'm thinking that that was the drum circle night. The drum circle was mentioned a lot in the beginning. It was even mentioned in the Fox 31 news report done by Chris Halsney. The drum circles were well attended. They went all night. There was somebody in town who was questioning, you know, how she could arrive with people at the drum circle and nobody associate that other person with them and can't remember what they look like and when and where she left. Last time she was seen on the 13th after the drum circle, but if the drum circle is on the 18th, so if it was July 18th... So that doesn't add up at all because everybody says the 13th. And people are saying last time she was seen on the 13th. You know, there's a lot of stuff here to weed through. At this point, I personally think the whole drum circle theory to begin with was a rumor that was spread around intentionally to throw everyone off. Okay, so back to Catfish. The drum circle in July 2016 most likely occurred on July 18th, going into the wee hours of the morning of July 19th, the day of the full moon. So let's say for a second that Crystal did go to that drum circle. That would mean that on July 13th, Crystal essentially drops off the face of the earth, doesn't respond to any calls or texts, nobody in town sees or hears from her at all. And then all of a sudden she reemerges, almost a week later, the night of the drum circle, by herself, and then disappears into the night. Sounds a little crazy, right? What's crazier is someone alleging to have seen her after the drum circle. And right now, the only person doing that is Catfish. He says he saw her around his birthday, July 21st. It's kind of vague, so you have to think, well, what does around my birthday mean? Like within 24 hours or a few days? So maybe he can mean something like July 18th or July 19th around the drum circle. But playing devil's advocate here, it could also mean something like July 23rd or 24th that's still around his birthday within a few days. Either way, it stands out to me. And if it were ever definitively proven that Crystal did not attend the drum circle in July 2016, which seems likely, then this is huge. My personal opinion, Crystal never went to the drum circle in July. Something happened to her around July 13th or 14th. So what else do we know about Catfish? In the podcast thus far, we've only gathered hearsay. Over the past few weeks, we've been doing some more digging. We've learned that Catfish is the son of a very wealthy family, a family that has been in Crestone for decades now. His family also owns a few spiritual centers there. Catfish is 40 years old. He's been hanging around Crestone since his early 20s, and in that time, he's garnered quite the reputation there. Different oddities surrounding Catfish continue to emerge, and until we find Crystal, for me personally, he'll remain on my radar. Okay, moving on. The next guy I want to talk about is Brian... Yes, there's that sound again. Brian is also known as Dreddy Brian, or Dreddy B. I know this may be a little confusing, but the easiest way to remember it is that he's the only Brian in this story, at least thus far. So what do we know about Dreddy Brian? Well... He's the one that ended up bringing her to Crestone. He ended up 
crashing her car. And Crystal was very upset about that, and they had a falling out. She had filed suit against Brian back in 14. He had wrecked her car, and she sued him to get the money. Uh, he had asked her to borrow the car to pick up his kid or somebody. Yeah, I guess he wrecked it and then left her high and dry. She was hanging out with tall Brian, okay, and there were some other guys. Brian showed up, and he said to me, you need to call Crystal. She's very upset. I totaled her car. He thought it was real funny that he told her car. He totaled her car out there in the Baca, kind of on a, a straightaway. I mean, you had to work hard to do it. And he, she says, I think he did it on purpose. She filed a police report. She ended up taking him to court. She never got paid. Brian's the one who brought Crystal to Crestown in the first place. They met each other and Jonathan. He totaled her car. They were friends and stuff, but she really didn't like him. I've heard Brian been with a few people have overdosed around him, and there was like another girl that was like killed or something. This is some stuff I heard from other people. I don't know if it's true, but I was, he was staying at my house and shit, dude. Like after she went missing, if he did have something to do with it, that's pretty fucked up. I mean, he knew Crystal uh, just as well as I did. We know that Brian had known Crystal for a few years before she went missing. They met in the nearby town of Gunnison, and it was actually Dreddy Brian who first brought Crystal to Crestone. In 2014, Brian wrecked Crystal's car and totaled it. Apparently, after that incident, their friendship became a little rocky. I've reached out to Brian several times, but he hasn't responded. I did, however, get my hands on an audio recording of Brian shortly after Crystal went missing, which I played at the end of episode 6. Because of the awful cell phone reception in Crestone and the Baca, his call, like some of the others, was often difficult to understand. So I had a voice actor go in and recreate it. And I'm going to replay part of that call for you now. Let's listen for a second. I know this is not like her for sure. The last time I actually saw her was, geez, it was like a little over a month ago. But I think just like two and a half weeks ago or whatever at the last drum circle. I think I was there. I could swear I heard her singing. I was just drumming for six hours straight, drinking and smoking. I don't remember a whole lot about the evening except the drumming, but I could have swore I heard her voice. Brian said that he thinks Crystal was at the July drum circle, but he didn't see her. That's the last, geez, I guess the last drum circle was two and a half weeks ago, and before that it was like six weeks ago. But the last time I talked to her, there was a day after the full moon. The full moon before that. It was the day after that. Then he goes on to say, it was the drum circle before that. Well, which one was it? She called me on the street. She was up in her apartment there. And she's like, hey Brian, I think Catfish put some fucked up shit on Facebook about you. You know what I mean? Because we like, we had an argument and got, I did some work in the house and he didn't pay me for it. She's like, you know, I was over there and she told me. She said she didn't remember, but she said she thought he might have drugged her or something. She had to clean his house too, and that was the last conversation I had with her. But I could have swore she was at the last drum circle. More notably, it seemed that Brian made a point to tell the person on the phone that he did not know Crystal that well. We weren't, like, super close. I wouldn't know where her specific spots would be, you know what I mean? But, as we know, that can't be true. 
He crashed her car two years earlier, and before that, they were friends in Gunnison. He even watched her daughter, Akasha. So up until episode six last week, there's only been two persons of interest here, Catfish and Dreddy Brian. But then, a few more players emerged, and I gave them all nicknames. Calvin, Landon, and Jack. Basically, all these guys know each other. From what I've found, they've had varying degrees of friendship. But regardless of who's friends with who, at one time or another, they all ran in the same circle in Crestone. A very small circle. Let's start with Calvin. Calvin seemed to have the most credible knowledge when it came to Crystal, and what may have happened to her. Like the other phone calls, some of his conversation was hard to understand, so he recreated the most important parts. My knowledge is limited. Uh, the ones who I guess were involved or were not involved, and, and really what it comes down to is uh, Brian. You gotta start there. That's the way it is. Catfish had nothing to do with it on the end of, uh, on the end of basically, I believe that she was killed, okay? Um, I do believe her and Brian got into an argument. Brian killed her, and then they disposed of the body. I'm not sure who they are, but I'm pretty sure if you talk to Landon, Jack, and Brian, if you get those three, you'll be able to figure it out. Calvin essentially says, if you want to figure out what happened to Crystal, the answer lies with these three guys, Dreddy Brian, Landon, and Jack. And also Catfish. Once I started talking to Catfish, got to basically know Catfish, it wasn't him at all. I I hate to say this, but he may have helped him cover it up. The biggest question I had was why did Calvin seem to know so much? For someone who wasn't involved at all, according to him, he sure did have a lot to say about it. Either way, for the most part, what Calvin told me seemed to ring true, even though some of the details remained a little confusing. Of the names that Calvin mentioned, Landon and Jack, I was only able to get a hold of one of them, Landon. Landon's call was perhaps the hardest to understand because of his location and the quality of his phone. But it wasn't just you. Yeah, man, Denver's awesome, man. I love Denver. I can barely hear you. Landon also seemed to have a lot to say about Crystal, for having not been involved whatsoever, but I heard him out anyway. Perhaps the most important takeaway from my call with Landon was this. I mean, was I there for anything of that nature? No, I wasn't. I went over to the person's house, Catfish's house. She was there, and at the time, I'd take out the trash for him and stuff. You know, I kind of did some work for him, things that he couldn't do. She was there, and I met her, and she was trying to help me take out trash, and she had a pretty positive vibe about her, and I was just plain as obvious that there was an element of manipulation dynamic between the two of them. He's so crazy. Like, he tr- he tried to go even crazier on purpose, and I, I think his credibility... If he tried to go crazier, man, his credibility would be in question, I feel like. He's just nuts. Poisoned me with LSD during that time, or put acid in me, hire people to steal from me, hire people to beat me up, put libel, slander, all sorts of fucking crazy stories out there about me. It was rumored that Catfish had quote-unquote dosed people with different drugs in the past as some sort of retaliation. Calvin had also mentioned something about dosing. 
they're basically dosing each other with LSD to basically drive each other insane. If you want to get dosed, that means you're going to drop some acid, but I mean, if you're getting dosed, that means somebody's either trying to kill you, drive you insane, or push you to a point where your mental state can't handle the amount of drugs that you're on. There's several people that have been dosed around here through methamphetamine specifically. They walk around fighting shadow people for the rest of their lives, you know, shit like that. An unexpected heavy dose of hard drugs could make anyone sound or act crazy. Is that why Calvin noticed a huge psychological change in both Landon and Jack? I saw a complete psychological breakdown from Landon, Brian, and the paranoia of all three of them just went through the roof. Landon went from being a standard meth psychosis to being completely paranoid at all times, even when he was sober or not, thinking that people were following him. I mean, when, when they mentioned that they had found Crystal's body, he completely freaked out. Jack, he ended up being committed. I guess both could be true. Some level of involvement in Crystal's disappearance, coupled with extreme psychological effects of hard drugs. I don't know. But Landon certainly had some interesting things to say. And not all of it was easy to follow. When you come into full awareness and knowledge of what's happening on the planet, it's mass. I mean, it's big, bro. Like, big portals opening like they could be opening now but by 2018 i mean this shit is kind of crazy and i i probably sound like i'm nuts right as for the other guy jack i was unable to reach him for comment but he's read all my facebook messages dating back to june there's a lot of finger pointing going on within this circle my question is simple why the hell are they talking about it so much rumors have to start somewhere and it seems like they all trace back to here. Hey, it's Payne. I want to share a message from our sponsor, Spot Pet Insurance. Sometimes unexpected vet bills can hit hard when we least expect them. And if life throws you a curveball and your beloved pet needs urgent medical attention, the vet bills can start piling up. Enter Spot Pet Insurance, the ally you never knew you needed. Spot Pet Insurance plans can offer up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, providing a safety net when the unexpected occurs. Life can be unpredictable, and so are the needs of our furry companions. Spot Pet Insurance understands that. With Spot, you can focus on the things that matter, knowing that your pet has coverage to help protect your wallet from those unexpected vet bills. Spot Pet Insurance plans don't just offer coverage for unexpected accidents and illnesses. You can add their preventative care benefit to your plan, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can all be covered too. It's a shield against the unexpected. If you have a pet, consider Spot Pet Insurance, because having the right resources at the right time can make all the difference. Just go to spotpet.com. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. 
As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Just a few weeks ago, an anonymous person made contact with Catfish. Catfish claiming that Dreddy Brian confessed to killing Crystal in a message he sent him on Facebook. Now this is a bold claim. Catfish also went on to say that he shared this message with the CBI, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. This sounds pretty damning for Dreddy Bryan, but is it true? Catfish claimed that he shared this incriminating Facebook message with an agent at the CBI, but we can't just take his word for it. I eventually made contact with the CBI, but because this is in fact an active investigation, they couldn't share any details on record, but they did acknowledge having heard this information. So maybe Catfish is telling the truth, and if he is, and the message he has from Brian isn't doctored or altered in any way, then it should be case closed, right? Well, I don't know. Where do Landon and Jack fall in the picture? And why does Landon never once mention Dreddy Bryan? In fact, he only mentions Catfish. And what about Calvin's stories of these alleged night terrors? Landon was staying at my house one night, and he woke up and he was like, I, I didn't do it. No, I, I know what he said. I didn't mean to do it. That's what he said. I didn't mean to do it to her. And then I've heard Catfish several times. Catfish was like, I didn't think they'd kill her. I've heard him say that a couple of times. Just not general night terrors. He's actually said that twice. In conclusion, until some more people in this circle start talking and set the record straight, this story will continue to be muddled with misinformation. However, now more people are talking in fact, some people are talking a whole lot. We've officially reached that moment in Up and Vanished, where you as a listener are almost caught up with me. From this point forward, this story becomes much darker and much more complicated. Next Monday's episode will be a listener Q&A, so please call us with any questions you have, and we'll answer them next Monday. The number is 404-410-0911. Again, that's 404 410 0911. We'll resume with episode 8 on Monday, October 22nd. In the meantime, here's a teaser for what's to come later this season on Up and Vanished.
I got a visitor in my courtyard who told me he was there or he knows where that party was. All of these people have open active warrants. None of them should have handguns. By law, none of them should have handguns. Law enforcement went in and created Crystal's missing person report on 716. That's when she was officially reported missing in our database. Then someone went in there then and said, last seen on July 30th. You know, a lady came in and he was sitting in this car. You know, so like I walk up and I'm like, I'm not your fucking buddy, bro. You know, what the fuck happened, bro? You know, and he literally was just laughing it off, bro. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to China. Literally laughing about it. I mean, like he didn't even seem like he was in his right mind. He dosed my best friend so hard and got freaking like, dude, he's fried now, bro. Running through the snow with like no shoes on. His fingers have, he got frostbite. His fingers are fucked for life now, dude. You know, I mean, yeah, he was stealing, but dude, come on now. This isn't fucking 1800s where we cut people's hands off and shit. You know what I'm saying? Up and Vanished is an investigative podcast told weekly, produced for Tenderfoot TV by Payne Lindsay, Mike Rooney, and me, Meredith Stedman, with new episodes every Monday. Executive producers Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright. Additional production by Resonate Recordings, as well as Mason Lindsay, Rob Ricotta, and Christina Dana. Our intern is Hallie Bidal. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Our theme song is Ophelia, performed by Ezra Rose. Our cover art is by Trevor Eiler. Special thanks to the team at Cadence 13. Visit us on social media via at Up and Vanished, or you can visit our website, upandvanished.com, where you can join in on our discussion board. If you're enjoying Up and Vanished, tell a friend, family member, or coworker about it. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.